Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Jazz and Sonic. Uh, I'm Sonia. <laughs> I'm Jazz and Jalali Yazdi. And uh, we're back for another special episode. We have a special guest today. Um, guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Shireen and I'm Jasmine's sister. That's, nice. that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> We talked about what your intro would be and there's definitely more to it than that. Yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay with that one. <laughs> okay, so this is, yeah, the, this is my sister. She's a year older than I am, so we're very close in age. Um, and I thought that it'd be a good idea to have her as a guest on the podcast because obviously she's someone I'm super close to. And we've like lived very similar experiences, but kind of internalized it a little differently. So I thought it'd be like nice for people to hear her perspective on, I guess, like how we grew up and what she's doing now, like the path she took. Yes, good, good, good intro, both of you. <laughs> um, so Shireen, what do you do? Um, I, right now I'm working as a litigation paralegal um and i'm also applying to law schools to start in the fall that's that's pretty much the track i'm on how did you get so like how what did you decide to study for your undergrad and what made you decide like okay law is what you want to do yeah well for my undergrad i did a program where i went to two schools so i did two years at a school in france um and I studied oh, called Sciences sorry. And I studied, it was like a more generalized track. So it was like social sciences. And then I eventually concentrated in law. So I took a lot of classes there that were very law related, like constitutional law, contract law, um, public international law. And that was like my first look at the legal world, um, especially because a lot of my teachers used to be professors. They were practicing lawyers who then went into academia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I went to school at Columbia, New York, and there I studied things that I'm just more passionate about. Um, so I studied human rights and women's and gender studies. And um, my professors there were, they were all academics. So it was very like theory based. And this was also like during the Me Too movement, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. in the environment. It's all, I was also obviously based in New York. There's always a lot going on there in terms of like the human rights world, the the civil rights world. So that was when, obviously that wasn't my first exposure to law, that was at Sciences but that's when I kind of consolidated the fact that I wanted to get into civil rights litigation mm-hmm. because I was really inspired by the Me Too movement and that you could use the law to, to sort of expose people, um, especially when it comes to like sexual harassment, things like that. and. Um, there was actually a case where the dean of students of my program at Columbia was actually brought into a lawsuit for sexually harassing one of the students from a law firm that has, uh, basically they've made a name for themselves, like, um, going after these big institutions, like especially universities on title nine cases. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're, I think they're going, they've been going after Duke a lot. Um, this is like their third uh lawsuit against Columbia so that I thought was really cool because you know I mean I know that there's so many issues in higher education when it comes to rape culture and these rape cases and it is um against the university's interest to properly help victims and survivors Mm -hmm. so I I thought that that was really inspiring because you were really like pushing the culture and sort of exposing law so that that's when I decided I think law is the best track for me Mm-hmm. the other alternative was to stay in academia mm-hmm. which was also really cool but I think I decided that I wanted to go the law track okay damn mm-hmm. Shreen's bring all the tea to the Jazz and Sonic podcast yeah. she's like, exposing this Columbia tea or whatever <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah dang I had no idea from mm. pretty yeah wow that's legit so wait um did you like studying in France more or New York also, um, in New York Oh, okay. But I think part of that is just because of what I'm used to. Like my education was always like in English and in more like either British or Americanized system. Mm -hmm. And that is more, I believe, more lenient. Um, 
and the yeah in France it's just way more strict I had a lot of class time I had to take like nine courses a semester it was a lot of homework um and if you skipped class more than twice you would automatically fail the class it was just super super rigid really so like yeah so you really couldn't fall behind it was very very good training because I like it really hammered in my work ethic but it was like running all the time it's like you're always running so I don't regret it but I'm happy it was only two years and then when I got to Columbia it was good because you spend less time in class and so you have so much more free time so I could actually get internships um and I I'm pretty good at managing my own work so the free time I wasn't worried about you know procrastinating and stuff like that but I could actually spend time and on my classes in a way that was like really fruitful like I could spend time more time learning theories that actually interested me whereas at Sciences Po was really like go 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 you just got to get your assignments done it's, mm-hmm. you can't really learn for the sake of learning right at least for me it was hard for me I think some people could do that because they might just be better yeah but I mean yeah. and that kind of brings us back to like most of our education was in British schools or American schools but we did spend one year at a French school when we were yeah. kids right and it's, it's far more traditional yeah and it's very much like you have a blackboard the teacher writes on the blackboard and you just copy everything that's on the board and then yeah. you recite it back like the next class yeah there's a clear hierarchy in the class yeah and it's not much more dialogue and I remember uh like discussing this with a stu- a French student who had grown up in France he was at Sciences Po too and he was just used to the French system and he was like honestly I'm not coming to uh university to learn from other students and I totally get that I think when you're used to learning from a teacher and they're trying to teach you theories and you're used to that you find comfort in having an authority tell you what to know mm-hmm. but when you're used to bouncing ideas off of people and having like kind of let discussions that are led and, and you know it's not like a free-for-all but <laughs> it I think that it's hard to have a teacher tell you stuff and you're just supposed to take it you know? do you have problems with authority <laughs> definitely not (laughs) I don't think I do but I think when it comes to learning like I like um I like to be able to flesh out ideas yeah I I like I I feel like I'm a thinker and I don't really do well with someone telling me what to think yeah you know what I mean and so when there were classes like that at Columbia because there was you know so for example certain lecture style classes it's just it's not like discussion based and when I really didn't align with what the professor was saying, or like, I just didn't agree with the style, I just wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a thing that you couldn't do at Sciences School because you would fail the class. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember there was a class at Columbia. It was like, um, like intro to human rights or something like that. And it was a very, very Eurocentric take on human rights and very, it was just wrong. Like the professor was saying <laughs> that there wasn't like, um, uh, he was saying that you know there wasn't like a hierarchy in the United Nations and which is just a complete lie if you're like anywhere from the global south you understand that there is so it, it was just things like that that were very misleading that I was like I don't need to spend two hours every week listening to this mm-hmm. when it, it has no bearing on my grade mm-hmm. um, because the grade was just based on essays and like quizzes that I could just look at the powerpoint so I I you know, actively made the decision to not go to that class and use that time to do other things that I thought were actually expanding my knowledge base and not just like ingesting this really glorified version of like the human rights world. Yeah. And that's what I love about the education. You can kind kind of make it work for you. Right. Yeah. Um. Wait. So you did you say you did internships like at New York or wherever? Like. Uh, what were what are the internships like for I guess like a law student like do you so, go, you like go into court and be like hey what's up guys like <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I mean uh, maybe some people do that so the first internship I got was actually in the nonprofit world I um, was an intern at Human Rights Watch but it was a very administrative role I'm not gonna lie like and that that's kind of the thing with unpaid internships they can be very just look good on your resume but uh, you know they're yeah. not that fantastic but it was cool to see the inner, inner workings of a nonprofit, um and to get contacts there um and there they had like talks and stuff that were really interesting that I could be a part of because I was an intern there so that was my first internship um it was a good experience and then I also I obviously had like side jobs like 
with work study and stuff where I was literally just photocopying things, you know, whatever. Um, and then I had actually in my last semester of my senior year, I had a part-time job, which then turned into my now full-time job. And that was at a law firm. Um, and like as a litigation paralegal and as a paralegal, like, well, I think first of all, people think that lawyers go to court all the time. They do not. They rarely go to court. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, even in litigation, which is like litigation is uh, like conflict resolution, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, someone gets either you, your client is suing someone or your client is being sued. And that's that's when a litigation is commenced. Um, so a lot of the paralegal job sometimes is literally just making binders of like the client documents. Sometimes it's finding cases. Sometimes it's site checking. And then a lot of times when a case progresses, you have to start like there's this thing called the discovery process where you start basically gathering evidence like your client's emails or whatever might be pertinent and you start sorting through it and then you will eventually produce some of it that is relevant to the case to opposing counsel and like that's a lot of what I did and what I continue to do now mm -hmm. but yeah you, you don't see a lot of court like at all actually <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it, it was a good it's a good opportunity for me to realize because law is so broad it's like saying that you want to be a doctor like really what kind of doctor do you want to be right mm -hmm. it's the same with law um so for me it was important to kind of understand what type of law I wanted to do mm -hmm. um and I, I figured out pretty much a couple of months in that where I was at was not the kind of law I wanted to do um which is it's as important to know what you want to do than than what you don't want to do right so mm -hmm. that was good in that sense um and I was able to do that while still being in school because there's just mm -hmm. so much time off of and I, I was so used to working like non-stop from Sean school that I, I didn't mind mm -hmm. so yeah it's so funny hearing you talk about like what you do and how you got to where you got because when you speak of things like pertaining to law you take on a very different like demeanor like you're far more oh interesting uh I guess professional is the word but like stuck up <laughs> yeah Shreen, <laughs> Shreen in our family to characterize her has this like personality being like too good <laughs> like stuck up um but no it's not that it's like you're the way I interact with you is like very playful and like we're laughing all the time and then yeah. when you talk about uh, career law like your future dreams and stuff it's so um I don't know it's like so proper yeah you know? I so, don't mess around with that stuff I know you <laughs> that's don't. like very important to me yeah yeah. yeah 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 so when I think about my future I'm like so serious about it which is good <laughs> because I don't yeah I think that there are a lot of people who <clears throat> which I think is totally fine um would be comfortable with just a job a job that pays well and gives them a comfortable life mm -hmm. and I, I I don't think that I could do that mm -hmm. like I just I'm, I'm not really I can't do something that I'm not passionate about for most of my day yeah wow right? oh my god okay <laughs> I feel like we talk about this a lot in the last episode of the podcast we talked about people saying I love my job and what that means and I was having a discussion with Michael and he was like more often than not when people say that they love their job it's that they love that their job gives them the means to go on holidays or yeah that it uh gives them free time on the weekend or things like that whereas when Sonia and I say that we love our jobs it means we love our day-to-day -day, like we are passionate about what we do yeah but and I also think that that's honestly a marker of privilege yeah, and we spoke of that. Yeah, we literally <laughs> said that. Wow, you guys are so similar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think about that a lot because um, I think sometimes it's easy to, you know, look down at people who just have a job just to have a comfortable life and like call them sellouts or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, it's about your priorities. And like, if your priority is just to have like a, a good life in the sense that, you know, you have quite a bit of free time, you have quite a bit of money to, to spend on leisurely things, then you're making for yourself a good life. And, and mm -hmm. that's like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a rational move. Yeah. But I don't know, like, 
how they do it. That's my thing. I don't know how you spend your day-to-day doing something that you're not super into. I find that that would be so mind-numbing for me. Mm -hmm. I say this without having any real, like, work. I mean, I do have work experience, but not as, like, on, like, a career path. I'm, I'm still, like, my work experience is still just sort of the interlude between, like, my more education. Yeah. And so I can, I'm just saying this at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who are super, you know, everyone's like super passionate when they're in their early twenties, obviously, or a lot of people. And then like, like I know um, some people who were public defenders and that's just like one of those jobs where you get paid nothing um, and you work 24 seven and the work is super heavy. You know, you're like trying to prevent people from going to jail and like, you have so many cases that on average you can spend two minutes on a case and that mm-hmm. that's like you're basically part of a broken system and trying to do good in that broken system and I think that there's so much burnout that people end up being like fuck this you know like I'm I'm just going to be comfortable mm-hmm. and I think that also happens once people start having kids and they start having a family and like honestly making 50k in New York as a public defender yeah you can't live off of that yeah and and at some point you kind of have to be selfish right Mm -hmm. um and for a lot of people it doesn't feel selfish when you're you know and I say that with air quotes when you're doing it for your kids too yeah things like that so yeah that's my yeah now yeah yeah so essentially we have the same take because I was telling Sonia I was like it's somewhat naive of us to think that when people say they love their jobs because like they're passionate about the day-to-day yeah um because we have that mindset because we we've grown up where our baseline is so comfortable so when you already start at a higher level than most people yeah then you can think about all the extra yeah yeah yeah, exactly whereas when you're growing up where like you have to think about the basics food shelter yeah safety like you don't have time to think about oh yeah I'm gonna like love my day-to-day at work (laughs) yeah fuck you yeah (laughs) like I just need need to feed my kids yeah (laughs) but wait Shreen this is going back to something you said uh, about like going to Sciences Po versus your schooling in Colombia, right? Um, you mentioned the French educational system and we spent a year at a French school in, what was that elementary school? It doesn't really translate yeah. exactly, but it was pretty much, yeah, elementary school. Yeah. We were pretty young. What was your experience like? Because <laughs> we talked <laughs> yeah. about my experience. Um, my experience was, overall positive but also anxiety it was positive in the sense that like I did well Mm -hmm. um surprisingly and well maybe not surprisingly because I think education was always my domain growing up like it's something that I felt very comfortable in so I quickly started doing well in school Mm -hmm. um and I also people were like fascinated because I was like the American girl or whatever and like yeah so with a, I, <laughs> with a, with a so British accent, who was so far from being American. <laughs> I know. And so people were really into that. So I had a lot of friends. And also I was a really fast runner and I could run faster than the boys. So yeah. for some reason that made me really popular. Yeah. So like, I think near the end of it, I had a lot of friends and I was going to their houses and they were going to mine. But it was like, I just hated the class time. Mm-hmm. It was so mind-numbing. Like they would literally write the entire history lesson on the blackboard and we would have to write it down and then like memorize it yeah it was so yeah it was just such a and (sighs) also to give context this is after going to like a private british school that was like top level academically in cambridge right so like obviously the contrast from one to the other is uh, very significant yeah i do have to say though that like I think at that age, that type of learning is not the worst mm-hmm. where you're learning the facts. Like you, you do have to know about, you know, World War One, World War Two, whatever. And that is literally just memorization at some point. And then when you're older, you could start theorizing about, I don't know, like why, um, you know, about like why these countries were allies and what their motivations were. That, that's where it gets more abstract. Mm-hmm. But when you're younger, like you're just not, <laughs> you're not at that level. Right. So yeah. I understand the French system in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it was beneficial, but I think it was just too strict and I was too sheltered. Yeah. And it was very much like mom doing the like, I mean, it's like when mom taught me how to learn a 
to ride a bike. It was, she basically just pushed me down a hill, you know, like that was her version of that (laughs) in school. Yeah. Um, Wait, okay. That speaks to our, the difference in parenting styles between our mom and our dad, our mom being French, our dad being Iranian uh, with a very like coddling. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting style. Um, But I was, I wanted to actually speak of when we lived in Houston Mm-hmm. I was about two years old. You were three. Um, and we went to school at the school called the Honor Roll School. And Shireen, oh my God. for like a whole year, just stopped like speaking. Six months. <laughs> six I months. did not talk. Yeah. So can you explain like your your perspective? Like what happened in your head? Why did you go It was mute? a new environment and I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I didn't talk that made sense to me at the time (laughs) honestly it still kind of makes sense to me as an older adult it's just like you don't engage with an environment that you're uncomfortable with you just kind of keep it low-key you know but it wasn't low-key because they would always call on me and I'd be like just staring at them not saying (laughs) a word (laughs) like some kids are shy Shireen just was like I'm just not gonna I was just like defiantly shy I think like so did you not like speak in class or did you not speak to anyone I didn't speak in class. I, I, I didn't like, like lose my voice or like, yeah, it wasn't like that intense. Cause then my parents would probably have to take me to a psychiatrist or something, but they actually, the teachers told my mom to get me tested for autism. Really? Yeah. Um, which my mom was like, no, uh, I don't think that's the issue. And then surprisingly mom kind of let it go for a while and then I remember one day she was like why don't you talk in class like what's the problem and I told her that I was intimidated by my teachers because they were very intense kind of like in your face and again it was a new environment for me like um before that point I didn't speak English Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in France Mm -hmm. up until that point right Mm -hmm. so um but the English came very quickly obviously yeah that age yeah yeah, it's just like, I it's just I wasn't ready. That was kind of the thing. And then they were kind of scary. And the thing is, they were trying to intimidate the speech out of me. Mm-hmm. That d- just doesn't work. It Well, it didn't work for me, at least. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I remember mom, um, one time, also like the teachers would sometimes like yell at the students or like kind of hit them a little bit with books, like tap them with books and stuff. And that just didn't sit well. <laughs> like I just, I did not feel safe in that environment. Mm-hmm. Not like in a physical sense, but just like in a to in a participating sense. I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna participate. And then um one time mom took me um to class and like asked to talk to the teacher. And my mom was like, Well, my daughter told me that you is telling me that you like yell at the students, like, why'd you yell? And I, I don't fr- remember really what the teacher said. And I, I don't think my mom was super impressed with the conversation they had. So she ended up, um, and also my mom, like I used to talk a lot. I was like a talkative little toddler. So it was kind of concerning to her because it just seemed like I was being shut down in some way. You know, sometimes you, you see like kids stop talking. You think maybe something happened or like, yeah, even sometimes to the point of trauma. trauma, yeah. Yeah. Which never happened to me, but so my mom ended up transferring my classes and I started talking immediately because it was a welcoming class. Mm-hmm. it was welcoming and they would like get on your level to talk to you and it just felt safe yeah, yeah. I remember feeling like really safe mm-hmm. um and they knew that I wasn't talking in the other class so they were like I remember on the first day super nice to me mm-hmm. and making sure that I was okay so then I felt fine yeah. talking and then I started getting into some shit because there was this kid <laughs> I didn't like and I started pulling his hair <laughs> oh yeah we love that story <laughs> oh my god by the way wait can I say something the biggest misconception growing up is that I was like this like goofy so my brother was like the naughty kid Shireen was like the super good like always doing the right thing proper kid and then I was just like the goofy one right but Shireen actually deep down was like a fucking devil like she she was so sneaky about it but she was so smart about it that she never got in trouble yeah I mean, to this day, I think a lot of times people think I'm kind of meek because I am quiet when you first meet me. And then you rub me the wrong way and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. <clears throat> but no, this kid was like, first of all, I was a little bit jealous of him. His name was Benjamin. 
um, because he would always come to class with wet hair because he would always go swimming before class. And I was like, I loved going to swimming pools. I was so jealous. And I think that may have played a role. I don't know. And I never really liked it too much, but like, whatever. But one time the like this Spanish teacher came to our class and she um, was just like t- doing like a little puppet show sort of thing in Spanish. And it was really cool. And I knew that lady because she was kind of friends with mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just knew who she was and I was like, just wanted to look good and I wanted to like listen to the class whatever and Ben was like in the front fucking around the whole time like talking and not sitting down it was just like annoying and the teacher had told him twice to like settle down and I was in the back and he just wasn't settling down and I don't know what happened but I just like reached over and pulled his hair from behind and the teachers made me like stand in a corner and I didn't care I was never I wasn't sad about it or anything like I really didn't care I don't remember caring too much and then except that I was kind of scared of like what how mom would react because they obviously had to tell mom they told mom and mom never said a word about she just asked what happened I told her like he was being naughty so I pulled his hair (laughs) and she was like okay wait my mom strangely enough like growing up my mom was super strict to the point where we were like mildly scared of her <laughs> yeah but for yeah. some reason when it came to school as long as we were academically doing fine i think it's like as long as we weren't like talking back to our teachers and being super rude yeah like um poorly raised children yeah like we were being respectful yeah. to but if we were standing up for ourselves and she didn't care yeah like whenever we would stand up for ourselves never said yeah. anything like if anything she was like good for you she, well yeah she was like don't let people push you around yeah mm. so what was your dad of- like did he say like did he say anything when you guys got in trouble at school no, no. <laughs> my dad my dad was super chill maybe too chill but he kind of like as long as our academics were good he was like yeah you guys are fine yeah mm-hmm. i don't think mom and dad took that stuff too seriously mm-hmm. they weren't like the type of parents who hovered around you know yeah unless they heard something or like they were made aware that there was an issue they kind of stayed out of it yeah yeah i think they trusted us enough like they knew how they raised us and like with what morals and standards and whatever that they trusted us enough to like you know know what what we are capable of you know yeah definitely interesting um okay other question i know you guys moved around a lot from jasmine's stories did you like moving around a lot minus being silent for those six months um I want to say uh it's kind of a tough question in the moment no I never liked the moves um I was always really sad I think I was a pretty sensitive kid so it was like I always felt it was really hard to move but now I love it I think I learned to love moving and now I loved I when I look back at my life I loved it like moving around a lot um but yeah, in the moment, it was always hard. You know, you have friends and you want to keep your friends and then you have to get used to another environment. Um, it's, I was, again, I was shy. So it was, I always felt really, it was never actually hard for me to make friends. I always managed to make friends, but it was like, it would give me a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, I'd have to make new friends and be in this new environment. That would always last like maybe a month. And then you just like, you're just fully integrated. It is what it is. And kids are super resilient and adaptable. So and now I think I've learned to just, I love moving now. I think it's always a fresh start. Um, and it's, and I, I don't really get sad about leaving a place, even if I'm leaving friends, because you always find new friends and the ones that are, you know, really good friends, they stick around. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll see them. Um, people always end up in basically the same areas or you travel and you can go see them, you know, so mm-hmm. I think I was going to say too, I was thinking about this earlier when I, I went for a run earlier and I feel like when I run or I do extras, I think about things that I don't normally think about. And I was like, having moved around so much, I think the biggest thing you take away from that is not so much like knowing how to make new friends or knowing how to adapt or whatever. It's like knowing to appreciate things for what they were at that time. So like you can make a really good friend or even get into like a relationship or whatever and like it only lasts a certain amount of time because of the nature of your lifestyle and then you have to like abruptly almost unnaturally cut it off because you move away physically right but it's crazy how then you like um adapt to like 
a new environment or new people, new friends, whatever, and you lose what you had before in a certain sense, but it was still, it's still appreciated to the, to the same extent, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like Shireen said, the people who like really care or who really had an impact on your life or whatever, they stick around. Yeah. That's why I, I hate nostalgia. I think it's a waste of time, especially for the lifestyle that we had. I mean, that's my take on it. Like, <laughs> I don't like looking back at old photos really, or um, even the thought of going to live going back to live in a place that we've already lived before like it's done mm-hmm. and and it is what it was those memories and that's it you know it's kind of closed and I think that's just because you have to move on yeah and it, it's never you're never worse off it's just different yeah when you move yeah you know but that's where we differ because I'm super nostalgic yeah like I love old music I love old pictures. I love everything that like reminds me of my past but I don't do it in a sense where it makes me sad it's like yeah. I just have an attachment to it. Like I get super attached to things yeah. that matter to me. I don't like getting attached to things. Yeah, I think sure. Okay, I think moving around has has fucked with your attachment style in a negative. I think way. it's shaped it, but I don't think it's in a negative way. Wait, come talk here. Sorry. Wait. Okay. Why do you think it's okay, Jasmine? Why do you think it's negative, and Shereen, why do you think it's not negative? I mean, I I say I guess I use the term negative very loosely, mm-hmm. but. Shireen is the type to like purge right like anything old and when I say old I mean like maybe two weeks old she's like oh we got to put this in the trash like it's clutter <laughs> like we use everything both materialistic and even like I guess like pictures and like memories and just old things as like clutter whereas for me I view it as like it's it it has value to me because of like the sentimental it, it has sentimental value to me mm-hmm. um and I think it's healthy to have some form of attachment to things in your past without letting it like overwhelm your present and your future, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I can think of my past fondly, but I don't like to have things. <laughs> I hate And that part of that is like, I think it's one of those things where one experience shaped two people very differently. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like a certain stimulus can have just like, basically 180 difference effects on other people right Mm -hmm. but for me you know we could never really have things or we'd always have to get rid of them because we moved so much and so I like that feeling I like the feeling of being light and being able to pack my stuff up in two suitcases and not being tied down and I hate clutter Mm -hmm. I hate clutter I think that's why I hate when people get me gifts because like honestly I'm probably not gonna like it I'm probably gonna (laughs) throw it away or re-gift it or something like just if you're gonna give me a gift just give me money you know (laughs) just be straight up or don't get me a gift like I'm super happy with that too but um Jasmine on the other hand is like I think because we moved so much now you like to have things Mm -hmm. um and that's like because it's like something that you could never really have before so I and I don't like even um in my apartment in New York when we moved out it was the first time that I actually had furniture and I hated it Mm -hmm. when we were getting the furniture I hated it and when we were getting rid of it I hated it because I just felt so tied down after that and it does make a difference because before I would have been able to just literally pack up my clothes and go Mm -hmm. and this time I had to figure out storage and shit selling stuff you know packing it Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not stuff that I even care about. It's just, you know, like a couch that yeah. I sit on. And <laughs> yeah, it's not sentimental. It's just material. But okay, I think of it more as like, not every materialistic thing I own, I'm sentimentally attached to. Yeah. However, things like when we were kids, my dad would travel a lot for work. Like, and I remember getting very anxious every time he would leave because I was like, oh, what if the plane crashes? What if whatever? Yeah. And then whenever he'd come back, he'd bring like a little gift. Yeah. Like literally once one of the gifts was, I forget where he went, but it was like essentially dried sand. Do you remember? It was like a little jewelry box. Uh, with and, those little rocks? Yeah. These like little rocks. That of like, like roses? Yeah. Yeah. I still have that. Yeah. I don't know. I still I have the jewelry box. I still have like a random elephant keychain from Thailand from like probably 15 years ago. Oh my God. I remember and, that keychain. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are things I can't get rid of and I don't want to get rid of because they remind me of like, oh yeah, like when, when I was like six and dad left yeah, and then he came back and he brought us this, you know, like that here's the means thing. a lot. When you get rid of things and this is why 
not to shade anyone, but like the whole everyone who's like so inspired by Marie Kondo and all those things. I'm like, I've been doing this shit my whole life of like getting rid of things. Mm-hmm. And here's the biggest tip. It's not whether it sparks joy, yada, 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 because the likelihood is if you are holding on to these things that they do spark joy because that's why you're holding on to them. But I guarantee you that when you get rid of it, you're not going to think about it again. You're not. How many cards have I thrown away where I'm like, I don't <laughs> think about this anymore. Like I think about people, you know, I don't want to think about the fucking card you wrote me in 2.5 seconds or like, you know, this nice little thing that was thoughtful. And like, I smiled when I got it, but I don't want to think about it again. That's just the way I think. And it's not uh, out of disrespect for the people or, or whatever. It's just like, I don't want to pack this clutter. You know, Sonia, how are you in terms of, do you attach sentimental value to like, I guess, material things? I'm or- a mixture of both of you guys, I feel. Cause I, I throw away cards as well. Like <gasps> any type of, have you written me a card Jasmine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. But for me, cards are like the most sentimental. No, it's like, I, I understand. I understand. It's nice. It's, it's great, but I don't want to keep it. It's just, it's just a waste of space, yeah. you know, yeah. have use that space for something more useful. Um, and so, yeah, like materialistic things like that, like I don't enjoy, I'd rather you send me an email and maybe I'll keep that in like a folder or whatever, but I don't like things, material things. Other That's stuff where- like maybe like a, a gift card to something like, I don't yeah. know. It's just not like a material type of thing. But like furniture and stuff and like moving, like I don't really care. It's just something you have to deal with, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also don't like uh, like digital clutter. Oh, really? All my email boxes are like emptied out systematically. All my photos are deleted systematically. Mm-hmm. Like I just. The photos? I, my desktop is like super clean. I just hate clutter. Like, if your computer were your home, would you be happy? No, mom, too. Yeah, but especially dad. You open his laptop and it's like, it's not even, you know, when people have like files and they have things in the files and they just have a fuck ton of files and it's like too many files. You don't need that many files. My dad is just a bunch of documents you can't save everything on a desktop that's not what the desktop is for like, oh my everything God. everything in your living room but that's literally how dad would live if he lived alone that's true but yeah. that's why i was surprised when mom's computer was like that because she's pretty clean yeah and- but no mom have you seen her room she she's pretty like she's clean but she's not necessarily i'm not gonna lie you know the house in france <laughs> with their little knickknacks everywhere and stuff do you know every time i go i throw some shit away <laughs> i'm like literally there's like <laughs> random shit in like the bathroom drawer that doesn't belong anywhere and they're just holding on to it i don't know why it's collecting dust oh. you so okay here's the thing growing up i was very messy and shreen was super clean right and my mom every saturday was like the deep cleaning and she would like come in our room super early open the curtains open the windows when it's cold out like just get us out of bed and like everyone has to clean and my mom, if she saw stuff out and about, she's like, I'm going to throw anything I see, I'm going to throw away. And so my <laughs> yeah. sister felt really bad for me, I guess. And she was like, she would like help me clean because she's like, I know you can't do this. I would own. clean your whole room. <laughs> yeah. All this. And every single time I would make you promise to keep it clean. And two days later, there's stuff everywhere. But she would make me throw away shit that mattered to me. And I was like, I don't want to throw this away. Like, this means so much to me. It makes me so happy. And Shreen's like, just throw it away. Just throw everything, everything in the trash. And I'm like, yeah, you're worse than mom. (laughs) I, I continue this crusade with DH now. And it's a struggle. Yeah. Speaking of DH, do you want to speak of DH? Sure. Okay. What's it been like? Because, okay, we've talked about relationships in the past on this podcast. And you've now been in an eight-year relationship? Is it eight years? Yeah, eight and okay. a few months. Yeah. How has it been? So he's someone that you met in high school. Actually, you met him in middle school. You started dating in high school. And then you've been dating. I didn't you know met him, him in middle school? No, oh. no, I, I didn't know him at all in middle school. I okay. didn't know him until 10th grade. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, he was in our school. And our school wasn't massive. Like, I'm sure you had seen him in passing. Yeah, but we weren't in the same friend circle and had never talked to him before. Okay, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Point is, you've known him for a long time. You've been with him through, like, so many different stages of life. How has it been 
how have you evolved your relationship like how have you stayed with someone through so many transitions um part stupidity part hard work okay that's like my answer okay i think that random stupidity (laughs) should we talk about the stupidity (laughs) you don't um I would say that there were certain phases of our relationship that like where we probably shouldn't have been together, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't healthy mm-hmm. and we were just kind of dumb. Well, obviously very attached to each other and sort of stupid and like stayed together and it ended up working out mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we worked hard on it eventually. Right. And now we have a very healthy relationship, but I don't think that we would have been worse off if we had broken up and maybe been dating other people or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, this I, I think that people who believe in the one could not understand this mm-hmm. because either it's meant to be or it's not mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't believe that. Um, I think that you can pretty much fall in love with anyone who meets certain criteria for you and like you have a good time with and then you can make it work or not or it can be toxic or not like it, it could just go so many different ways. Um, but yeah, so I think like yeah like I said part of it was stupidity and then eventually like part of it was hard work and just growing and becoming more mature and deciding what you want your relationship to look like basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's um, been really like I guess as your sister interesting for me because prior to DH Shreen was like full-blown asexual <laughs> zero you know how like when you're a kid you have like a little crush here or there whatever Shreen had zero interest in anyone yeah and like she I mean she is a very private person so for all I know maybe she did but like I truly I wouldn't be surprised if you're like yeah no I really just didn't care about anyone not really not seriously maybe there's some crushes here or there so to yeah but it's so crazy to me to go from like literally no interest whatsoever to you know like a full-fledged serious okay full-fledged is kind of funny because I had a lot of rules because the I, my main priority was always school yeah. and basketball. Yeah. And basketball? Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I spent most of my time doing in high school was mm-hmm. my academics and basketball. Mm-hmm. And so when I, DH and I first started dating, I was like, yeah, we can only get on, go on a date once every two weeks. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was fully my mindset. I was like, like you can fit into my life you know, if it works, but like, I'm not trying, I'm not really trying to like, I have priorities here. Mm -hmm. And honestly, he wasn't one of them. Mm -hmm. And he was very clear about that. And that was very clear. Not, not like in the sense that I was treating him badly or whatever, but like, it couldn't get in the way of my academics and my basketball. Mm -hmm. He knew that. And today we both know what we both know about each other is like, uh, our priority is always just setting ourselves up for a good career. Mm -hmm. And we can't get in the way of that. And we don't because we expect that from each other. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to choose my law school irrespective of where DH is going to be. And he's going to choose his next job irrespective of where I'm going to be. And because we're on the same page, that that's fine. Yeah. I think maybe for some couples that could put a lot of stress, but you just have to be really clear about mm-hmm. your intentions, your priorities, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Wait, so when did you guys... I get together was in 10th grade or when the beginning of 11th grade oh okay so you guys had to did you guys have to do long distance at all at some point yeah we did four years of long distance wow Um, really yeah that was probably the phase of stupidity I would say (laughs) it was good we obviously got along but there are good times and bad times that gets exacerbated because you're like in long distance mm-hmm. um but yeah so I took a gap year after high school so I was in Beijing and mm-hmm. he went to Boston College so he was in Boston for that year and then after that I went to Sciences Po. so I was in France for two years he was still in Boston and then after that I went to New York so for my first year in New York he was in Boston mm-hmm. and then f- he graduated a year before me right so during my senior year of college he actually moved to New York for a job so that was the first time ever that we weren't long distance since high school which was in like 2017 18 17 Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah whatever (laughs) well 2018 2000 and he moved in the summer of 2018 to New York wow 
And then a year after that, we moved in together. Mm -hmm. Um, Did he go to New York for like career-wise or did he go because you were there? Career-wise, yeah. Because he's in finance, it was like a good place to be. Like the hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Okay, one of my friends uh, recently said that um, she would have enjoyed college a lot more had she not been in a long distance relationship. Um, how do you feel about that? I guess. I mean, I think that depends on the person. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have, exp- uh, like had more fun or anything, just cause I'm not really like that. I don't know. I'm, I wasn't super, I'm just not really the type of, I think if I weren't in a relationship, I probably would be single for the rest of my life because I'm honestly not a go-getter <laughs> in that sense. Like, scene, I'd, like, I'd rather die single than do that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's like networking, but on a vulnerable personal level. And it really is. Wow, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Okay, yeah. And yeah. you don't like being vulnerable. At all. I love being vulnerable. Um, <laughs> different we're so different yeah and that's really not my scene yeah so and like it's not like uh when we're in um college it's not like dh and i didn't talk about and that's i think why it probably worked is like i could be very honest with dh and say like sometimes i think that we should you know explore other things and not be you know in a relationship and i could say that very openly and we've definitely both had those feelings but it was never an overwhelming feeling where you feel like you want to give up this attachment that you have to this person this relationship so that's why we ended up staying together um but I can see how that can weigh someone down and if you feel that way then you like give yourself a chance and you know explore what you need to explore you know so yeah it's funny because Shireen says things in very like logical ways that ideally (laughs) I feel like everyone would like to operate in that sense. Like, okay, education is my priority. Um, If you get in the way of that, then like, that's just not going to work out, you know, like things like that. But I think what, where Shireen is different to most people is that she's able to uh, maintain that even through feeling deep emotions for someone else, you know? Like, I feel like people sway more easily when they're emotionally invested. Whereas you almost like have this like hyper- ability to compartmentalize things i feel like you're giving me more credit um because i one of the relationships in love those don't follow a logic Mm -hmm. i mean they can and you can say like oh you know um i don't like this thing about this person this is like a deal breaker for me so we should break up like that's the logic part of it then you have this thing called your heart, which is like, oh, but I love this person. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> fuck you! Yeah, and, that, and that sucks because, like, a lot of people say, like, you know, well, if this person isn't fulfilling your needs, you should break up. It's, like, easier said than done, mm-hmm. especially because you anyone can love really bad people. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you can't help who you love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to have the logic override the emotion can be super hard sometimes and I think a lot of people just need to reach a breaking point mm-hmm. and that's why it's unfair when you ask people like oh well why didn't you leave sooner and blah 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 you know it's like it just doesn't work that way um and I think that like I struggle with that as much as anyone else I do think though that you have people have different thresholds and like if, for example, like my one of my major things where I have a pretty low threshold for bullshit is if there's like something getting in the way of my career. If for some D- reason DH was fucking around with that, I think I'd be quick to be like, no, this is not working out. Like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> you know? um, but thankfully, like DH, we, our differences were never on those major things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things that are like about no, your future. No, no. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm well thank you for opening up I, I didn't know if you'd want to talk about your relationship because you're private but it's weird like I feel like you're a private person even with me and we're close mm-hmm. I am private yeah but you're able to talk about private things in a logical way not yeah. necessarily in an emotional way you yeah 
it's very interesting anywho yeah um i have a question so uh what was it like having a younger sister did you feel like you had to take care of jasmine a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I Jasmine has this thing called little sister syndrome. Even like <laughs> okay, wait, before you even mention little sister syndrome, which whatever the fuck that is, my sister and my mom both have this like unique I, I won't I don't want to say ability, but like they feel the need to diagnose people with shit that they're not in a position I to am diagnose. not like that. Mom's like that. Mom yes. is like that, yeah. Okay, and your mom. So. <laughs> Anyways, continue. no, but it's like Okay, even though we're pretty much the same age, okay, you're only a year younger than me, there's a very clear younger sister, older sister dynamic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's always been sort of clear to me because I was always like responsible for you and like what you did, at least with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it became, it was put into another perspective when I went to college because like I said, I took a gap year. So the people I went to college with were technically Jasmine's age, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I felt no difference with the people I went to college with. I it, I often I often forgot that they were like a year younger than me because honestly, at that point, there's no real difference. Um, and I it occurred to me once that they were like ja- from Jasmine's grade, <laughs> and but I didn't see a difference with them. But I clearly felt a difference with my sister just because I have a different role with my sister, which is the older sister role. Mm-hmm. So. And this is part of just the way my personality is and part of because of my role. Like when you have a problem in your life and you tell me about it, it becomes my problem in my head. Mm -hmm. And it brings me anxiety because then I feel like I have to fix it, you know, Mm -hmm. or I have to have a role where like I'm your confidant slash advice giver without like telling things to mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So I have to have this role where I can't shut you out by giving you like advice that you don't want to hear but I also have to try to push you in the right way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and then I go through stages of life before you, like um, finding a job or like, you know, deciding what you want to do for it. Like I go through those stages literally one year before you traditionally. Right. Right. So you always ask me like, okay, how do I do this? Or like, what do you think about this? And so naturally I just have like a, advice giving role Mm -hmm. an older sister role Mm -hmm. which is just funny because there isn't that much of a difference yeah and I don't think that I mean I think you still give me advice sometimes and things like that but it's not like a consistent uh dynamic between us where you're you know Mm -hmm. helping me out or yeah Yeah. showing me the way or you know what's interesting though is that now that you uh like verbalize it I guess, or vocalize it, um, I, I see it. But before when people would ask me like, oh, is there like an older, younger, older sister, younger sister thing? I was like, no, not really. Cause we're so close in age. Like we get along yeah, so well, yeah. but you're right. Because a lot of people I interact with are older than you or your age or whatever. And I don't, I don't feel There's no that. real difference. Yeah. There's yeah, like yeah, literally yeah. no, and yeah. they can be like maybe even five years older than you. And I don't feel a difference, <laughs> yeah. but with you, there definitely is like, I, I treat you like my equal in the sense that like, okay, we play around, whatever, like yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we are into the same things, but there is like a level of respect or like admiration almost that yeah. I wouldn't necessarily have for someone that's just a year older than me. Yeah. Whereas for me, there's a level of like setting an example and leading yeah. kind of thing yeah that I feel like I have to do. Mm-hmm. And all respect okay. to the little sister syndrome thing is you are very clingy. Yeah. <laughs> but okay no 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 wait i'm glad we're talking about this now after we talked about how shreen has attachment issues because she internalizes the way i am as very clingy when i call her maybe once every two weeks and she's like you call unannounced you're my sister you need to schedule a time yeah okay anyway so that's our dynamic yeah but yeah when it comes to like family or people like i really care about i am pretty clingy like I need you. Yeah, like uh, you call mom and dad a lot more than I call them. Really? You think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you check in with them, you talk to them more. Yeah. I think. But it's about like yeah. for me, it's not even about like anything that they can do for me. It's more like having peace of mind. Like, okay, like I've called mom and dad or I've called you yeah. and I know that you're good. 
And so now I can move on with my life normally, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think I'm more focused on my own life, like in a, I guess, in a self-centered way. Mm. So honestly, like other things, it's an add-on sometimes. Not that like my parents are an add-on, but that's sometimes the way it feels. Like when I have to call someone, like my parents or you, it's not something I do in my regular schedule. Mm-hmm. So it feels like an additional thing mm-hmm. um, that, I, that I have to like make time for. Yeah. And usually my, my schedule is very busy. I'm a very busy person. No, well, I mean, you make yeah. time for things that you want to make time for. <clears throat> yeah. Well, but I don't. That's, a, that's like my problem. But I think you do. I think your priority has always been like your work and your career and whatever. And so that's what you want to make time for. It's also because that's part of my present. Like I make, I've always made time for my studies because that's like what's going on right now. Like I have an assignment due, you know, yeah. it's not like, and I make time for my job because I have to do my job. So I don't usually make time to like see my friends or things like that. Like that's something that's just secondary to me. Unfortunately, it's a flaw. Mm-hmm. But it's not because it's not part of my present, my everyday life of things I have to do. Yeah. It feels like uh, I'm taking time away from things I have to do. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not really the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way with friends, like with having to call friends and stuff like that. I don't feel that way with family because <clears throat> for me, family yeah. has always been like my number one priority. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. okay because i remember we sonia we had this discussion before and you were saying that like sometimes you feel overwhelmed with like your parents or especially like your mom like because she talks to her mom every day she first of all she texts me every single day she's like hi sonia how are you all okay i'm like of course i'm okay i talked to you like 10 hours ago like i'm fine um so yeah, no, Jasmine definitely, definitely, like, we talked about this, because Jasmine's big on family, and she, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, she's better at talking to family, but I'm not, in the sense that I don't have any updates to give my parents, like, nothing changed in the past 10 hours from when I last talked to them, um, yeah. do you know what, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I couldn't, even once a week is too much, in my opinion. But I don't talk to mom and dad that often. Yeah, yeah. I talk to them once every two weeks. But this brings me back to, like, um, I think our attachment to our parents is very different and our relationship to our parents is very different. Like, yeah. for me, for some reason, I've, like, internalized that I need to... Obviously, I need to be happy and, like, do things that I want to do. But if mom and dad don't approve that weighs very heavily on me mm. whereas i think you're much better at just doing what you want to do and i you're... couldn't care less if mom and dad approve or not yeah but, but to be fair it's not like really hard to please mom and dad they're not like super strict or anything yeah yeah but i do not take into consideration what they would think mm-hmm. at all it literally doesn't even occur to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah mm. Because if it did, I would probably be a doctor or on my way to being a doctor. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Wait, Jasmine, how do you feel about uh, taking uh, your, what did you say, parents into consideration or something like that about their opinions? How do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot. I mean, like, I'm not going to choose a whole career because of them. Um, or I'm not going to date a certain person because of them, or I'm not like, they're not going to have the ultimate say in what I do. However, when I do go against what they would advise, it weighs on me heavily. You know, Mm -hmm. like I can't just like, it's hard for me to just kind of defy what they say. Um, because I feel guilty or I just really want them to approve for some reason. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if they, for example, like hypothetically, right? Let's say they didn't like DH, which obviously they do, but I don't think you would care. No. Unless they had a reason, like a yeah. valid reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't care. It's not their life. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But, anyways, I feel like this episode has been pretty long and it's been good. We've talked about different things. How do you feel, yeah, Shereen? Because you were nervous. Yeah, I feel fine. But I have to listen to the final thing. All right. Thank you, guys.
for listening to is this episode 22 i thought it was 23 <gasps> that's perfect is it 23 it's 22 damn it okay Why would it oh, be dang. because i'm gonna turn 23 when this podcast comes out on tuesday podcast was about your age all right well fuck you anyways <laughs> thank you guys uh for listening to episode 22 of the jazz and sonic podcast thank you shereen for joining um and i hope you guys enjoyed getting to know my sister are, are you, you gonna say bye <laughs> <laughs> my god you're like socially just ask Pika, say bye bye everyone <laughs> <laughs> my god <laughs>